Tatum. Good ball fake. One more. Tatum. Oh, he caught one. Punched it up. Tatum with the deep jumper. Butter. Brown pulls the deep three and laces it. Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. And those were the sounds of what happened on Christmas Day. Uh, Obviously, you know, Celtics-Bucks matchup. Uh, That's what I'm going to be talking about, as well as a quick thought on the Warriors-Grizzlies game. Some interesting random news I heard regarding James Harden over the weekend. I'm sure you guys have heard it as well, but I'm going to dive a little bit into that. Uh, A random fact about the NBA on Christmas Day is also something I'm going to be talking about briefly. Uh, And one last thing to mention. I announced it on Instagram over the weekend, but I'll announce it again here on the pod. My Zion Williamson video has officially hit 7,000 views in seven days. So thank you all so much for those who supported every branch of the show, whether it's on YouTube or just this podcast. Um, I've been working on another video uh, for a player appreciation one, uh, this time for Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it's out now. Check out the link below in the, in the show notes to watch it. Um, I'll be doing my best to try to get a short video out on the YouTube channel every week as consistently as I can, just for fun, random content for you guys to enjoy. And remember that I'm a one-man show, so I don't pay anyone to do any of my work. Uh, I do all the writing for the videos. I do the video searching, the video editing, the research for the videos, the social media posts, uh, this podcast, obviously, everything you can think of, right? But I want to start with the Bucks celtics game. And in my opinion, and many other people I've talked to also, the most anticipated matchup on this Christmas schedule Right, Two teams that seem to be the best in the league, depending on who you ask. And a game that started out as a super competitive game with the teams trading threes, trading buckets, both teams showing great ball movement and high level of basketball until it got out of hand and unfortunately became a blowout. And that was a bummer for me because this was a matchup that I've been talking about for a couple of days on and off the pod, you know, really looking hyped Uh, really being hyped to watch this matchup on Sunday and obviously no Chris Middleton for Milwaukee and he hasn't been great so far in the games he came back for but it takes time coming back from a long time without playing but this team desperately needs Middleton and it's because the very weakness I've highlighted about these Bucks it seems to get exposed every time I watch them uh, play the Celtics and that's half-court offense the Celtics have two guys in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who in any situation can create shots for themselves, whether it's isolation or half-court offense or any slow possessions. And the Bucs move the ball a ton, and they get great looks too, right? Like good open shots and just good looks in general. But the Celtics defend so well that a lot of the time, they force the Bucs to try to create offense with, with just a few seconds left on the shot clock, and it quickly looks like panic mode, and it looks like a disaster. Now, Giannis can always opt to attack the basket, which is a good option, but it's not a sustainable strategy to go to every single uh, possession, especially when the Bucks aren't shooting well around him, because the Celtics can just wall off more successfully and foul him here and there to play to his struggling free throw percentage, right? It's been up and down, right? And 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 yeah, I know that he, he's been 
you know, on and off at the free throw line. He's been really good, and then other times he goes really cold. Uh, but this brings me back to my point. The Bucks need Middleton badly, and this is a guy that holds his own defensively. Uh, he can shoot reliably from three, and he can create offense for himself when the game gets to the half-court situations. And watching the Bucks without Middleton, I wrote something down to bring up on this pod. I was kind of taking note of it on my phone while I was watching this Bucks celtics game. And I have a take about Pat Connaughton. Now, whenever I've watched Bucks games, I've noticed that Pat Connaughton this season, right, hasn't been hitting a lot of threes. Like, I'll notice he'll hit them when the Bucks are winning by a landslide or when the Bucks are up, right, with a slightly comfortable lead, like when they're up a couple of points. Uh, but when the Bucks have really needed his shot-making, it hasn't been there on his three-point opportunities. So I was curious about Pat's three-point percentage this season since I was thinking about that while I was watching the game. So I went on Basketball Reference, which is my favorite website to look up any stats. Uh, 30% from three, uh, Pat Connaughton this year. And league average is 35%. So he's shooting below league average from three. And the Bucks need Pat to be at least a league average three-point shooter because when the shooting is lacking, it's a struggle for the Bucks to win games. And Pat gets a lot of opportunity to really be himself and play his game on this team. So when it's a, when it's a core part of the rotation in Pat Connaughton, right, not giving you what his job really is on this team, I think you have to explore what Marjan Beauchamp or, or someone else can get you with more playing time. I'm not saying that because I love G League Ignite players and I like Marjan before the draft, but I like that Marjan can play better defense than Pat Connaughton and, and obviously Grayson Allen, you know, and I went and looked at Marjan's three-point percentage and on basketball reference, and lo and behold, I see it at 35%. Now, he takes three a game, right? While Pat Connaughton takes two more than him at about five a game, right? So not that many more threes that he's taking. And I know Marjan's a rookie, but you have nothing to lose with experimenting different options while you're having a great regular season. Because once the playoffs come around, we all know how that goes, right? The rotations get tight, the chance to take risks becomes less likely because coaches stick to their game plans for the most part. So if you guys watch this game, one of the memorable moments was the Jason Tatum dunk on Giannis, which was hard to watch as a huge Giannis fan, right? But right after that Tatum poster dunk on Giannis, it wasn't even like a couple minutes after. The next time Giannis had the ball, he immediately goes for a pull-up three in transition, which resulted in an air ball. And right before he shot the ball, I was screaming at the TV, like right as he started to let the shot go, like, no, Giannis, no, because I knew it was too, it was, it was to kind of get the Celtics back with his own play. And normally I don't care that Giannis will take a couple of threes a game, but in a situation uh, where, where they're already starting to, to really dig themselves in a hole, making plays like that that are outside of the way you of the way you actually play as Giannis you have to play your game or you risk continuing to dig yourself in a hole and that's exactly what happened in this game you know shooting the three point percentage that the Celtics did I'm looking at here I can't even believe that this is the number um obviously they they were they were just knocking down three after three so yeah I was sure it was a high percentage but just looking at this is it just makes me think, wow, even crazier. 48% from three 
Okay. I'm looking at the the Bucks three point percentage, thirty six point one. Right. Um, now, you know, if you as a, if you shoot forty percent, which is elite as a team, um, obviously that's really good. So thirty six percent, not terrible, um, but not great. Right. Not good. I would say not good either. Um, especially when you're giving up the percentages that you are uh, to the Celtics. Now, the the Bucks weren't defending the three point line at all. Basically, I mean, it didn't feel like they were they were defending it at all. And they know that Brooke Lopez plays drop coverage. And, you know, I just I just want to say this, right? You're you have a guy in in Jason Tatum, right? And, and Jalen Brown, like like I said earlier, um, it, it's just like that is a massive threat to the way the Bucks want to play on defense because Brooke Lopez can't be out on the perimeter guarding these guys, right? You look at a guy like Grayson Allen, uh, even a guy like Javon Carter sometimes, you know, guys that don't can't really defend on the perimeter, right? Brooke Lopez, an amazing shot blocker, elite rim protector, great at, shot, at, um, at drop coverage, but you put him in a scenario where you have two of these guys, like I said, and Jason, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, where they could just get a bucket in any scenario in the mid-range. These guys love the mid-range, and they love to shoot threes as well. Uh, you and and you're not also closing out on open threes. It, it it becomes a disaster, and then you see the type of score that this one was, one thirty nine to one eighteen. I mean, that's like and, and and if you look at that scoreboard, you're gonna think, wow, the Celtics destroyed them, and they did. The Celtics did destroy the Bucks, but it was actually much closer. Uh, throughout the, the the beginning and the first half of the game, it just got out of hand little by little. Not defending the three point line, the Celtics continued to stay. They, they stayed consistent. They stayed solid. Um, they got stops. The Bucks really struggled to shoot, and the Celtics were hot. You know, and, and this goes hand in hand with what I've been saying about the Milwaukee Bucks. That concerns me. I love the Bucks, right? I still think you know you add Middleton into this. He's going to solve the half-court offense issues and defense because Grayson Allen is, is, is almost a traffic cone out there on defense. Like everyone blows by Grayson Allen right now. And the problem is Grayson Allen has been a very streaky three-point shooter. So if he's not hitting his shots that night or, or any given night, right, he is virtually useless on, 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 out there on the floor, right? And so that's a concern. But obviously, Middleton comes out there. You know, you put Middleton out there. And we're talking about a different, um, a different look offensively and defensively. They're they're way more solid on defense. They're lankier. They pro- they rebound better because of Middleton's activity and just just you know his his ability to just use his length right to create shots for himself on offense as well. He just adds a very very necessary component to this big big puzzle that is the Milwaukee Bucks and. It's definitely a concern. I mean, if you're a Celtics fan, you have to think, oh, well, the Celtics have the Bucks number right now. And I think they do at the po- at this moment. Right now, I'm not going to waver, though. You know, I still think that this was a very bad game from the Bucks, And you see some promising things in the first half, despite, you know, the, the mishaps and the mistakes and the errors and the, the lack of defense and the lack of shot making down the stretch, you know, and I've talked about this before about the Bucks going cold and these are the games they end up losing because it just becomes harder and harder for Giannis to get anything done because now 
if the if the Bucks are cold from three and they're struggling, the wall is way more solid in the paint because they don't really have to cheat. They don't really have to, or they can cheat, sorry. And they don't really have to go and close out on shooters as aggressively, right? They can really stay home on the paint on Giannis. And, and it really looked like a struggle, even though Giannis, he had amazing numbers like he's always going to have, uh, but it results in a loss. You know, it results in a loss. And the Celtics were great. You know, credit to the Celtics. This is this is definitely the only team that I'm afraid of as a person that's picked the Bucks. Uh, to get to the finals, um, and it should be uh, your team to be afraid of if you're a Bucks fan, or if you have the Bucks as uh, going to the finals as well. Um, I I do want to move on though. You know uh, the the Warriors Memphis game right now. This is my genuine apology to Warriors fans out there listening in. I had a pod with Gus recently. Uh, I think it was the last pod actually, where we were reorganizing the Christmas Day matchups, and we both agreed. Uh, to swap the Warriors for another team because of no Steph Curry and the Warriors were struggling. and But the Warriors proved me and many other people wrong about the prediction for the game. So shout out to the Warriors for continuing to have real estate in the Memphis Grizzlies' heads. This is a win for the war. I mean, this win for the Warriors is bigger than a lot of people might think. And I say this because the Memphis Grizzlies have made it public that they want to play the Warriors anytime. And I really expected this to be a blowout in favor of Men- in favor of Memphis just because the Warriors have been struggling. But I was 1,000% wrong, okay? Memphis got what they wanted, right, to play the Warriors, but not how they thought it would play out. Now, the last thing about this is I did a pod a few weeks back explaining that, the, that despite the Warriors struggling, it's a team that can really get hot offensively. And for that reason... You never want to count them out. So my take was obviously regarding the Christmas schedule, right? And just the recent struggles from the from the Warriors, right? Not necessarily that I'm that I'm disrespecting them uh, as the season goes along, because I did mention that before, uh, that this is not a team you count out uh, because of how potent they can get offensively, because of the championship experience, uh, some of the continuity. You know, you, you just can't count a team like this out. Uh, I want to move on. So Sixers beat the Knicks in a fun game at MSG, but I want to bring up something interesting that was highlighted over the weekend regarding James Harden. And it came, it comes out as a Woj report. So, so you know how that goes, right? You see a Woj report and you basically assume it's law, right? Like you basically assume it's facts. And here's what I'm, I'm going to read for you guys. So I'm reading this uh, strictly just on the internet from the Woj report, right? So per Woj, Harden and his inner circle have been openly weighing Houston in recent months, sources said. A remarkable possibility given that he requested and received a trade out of the franchise less than two years ago. For all of Harden's history in connection with Sixers president of basketball operations Daryl Morey and CEO Tad Brown, his working relationships with Embiid and coach Doc Rivers resembles something closer to a work in progress. The Sixers gave up significant assets to acquire Harden, and he's expected to remain a priority to re-sign on a new deal for a second consecutive summer. Now, I'm going to play you guys uh, sound from James Harden uh, being asked that question at the post-game presser, right? So take a listen to this. I'm here. We're, we're playing very, very well. And yeah, I don't know where that report came from, but um, I'm excited to be here and we're playing well and we're continuing to get better. Um, we're going to be very, very difficult to beat. So after you hear that, right, my question is, why would Houston sign Harden? 
and potentially limit themselves cap-wise by paying him. On top of that, the, the bigger question, right, even if the Rockets did decide to pay Harden, right, it's not totally out of the question that they would do something like that, but the bigger question, and just the part that makes even less sense to me, is why would Harden go to the Rockets if he's supposedly all in on pursuing the one thing that he has mentioned that he feels like he's missing, which is a championship, right? The Rockets with Harden would probably be a fun watch in terms of, you know, more offense, shot creation, playmaking. But putting Harden on this team, on this Rockets team, it's going to take away from the youth movement, the growth and development amongst the Jalen Greens, the Kevin Porter Juniors, Alperin Shengun, Jabari Smith, and on and on, right? Um, now, if you want to say you're putting Harden at point guard and just playmaking for these guys, maybe it makes some sense. But defensively, the team would be even worse, right? This would clearly be a money move for Harden rather than looking to win a chip. Now, I... I don't know how I would feel about this. Now, obviously, I, I, I will stand by this, right? Harden can be an awesome point guard, right? Because just the, the ball handling, the, the ability to, to make passes at a level that you don't really see from a lot of the top-level players in the NBA, right? Uh, his passing is, 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 is highly respected, right? Every, I think everyone acknowledges that Harden is one of the best passers in, NBA, in the NBA, um, but you know, that's just an interesting thing that I, that I found necessary to kind of bring up to you guys just for extra information. Um, and then, uh, according, uh, along with that extra information, I want to mention this too. So it's an interesting NBA Christmas day stat that I heard during the games, right? So with the Memphis Grizzlies officially having their Christmas game, there's only one team left in the NBA that's never played on Christmas. And that team is the Charlotte Hornets. And it doesn't look like this team is going to get a Christmas game for a while. So I wonder, how long will it take before that happens? Right? Like, they certainly have LaMelo Ball, which gives the fans a lot of exciting highlights and cool plays and just extra excitement. Right? But for a small market team like Charlotte, the only way you're getting on the Christmas Day schedule is by being one of the great teams in the league. I mean, that's like the only way because there's household teams that get Christmas games no matter what, like the Knicks, the Lakers, right? I talked about that on the last pod with Gus, but, you know, a lot of the rest of the league pretty much um, has to earn the Christmas Day game. And that's what's going to have to happen for the Hornets. So if anyone wants to ask me on the side, uh, what do the like? What do the Hornets need to do to get a Christmas Day game? Well, they need to be a contender and a true contender. Along with this is the hardest part about getting your Christmas Day game. Not only do you have to be a contender, uh, because obviously the Heat proved that they were a contender. I mean, they almost got to the finals last year and they didn't get scheduled for for a Christmas game. Uh, so not only do you have to be considered a contender, you also have to be exciting. Right. Uh, I guess that's that's also a factor on being on a Christmas Day game. Um, and lastly, I want to just play a moment from Christmas Day that will likely be at the very top of the list of NBA highlights at the end of the year. So listen to this. Here comes Aaron Gordon the other way. That was the sound of Landry Shamit's soul leaving his body as he enters the conversation of best posters of the season, right? Aaron Gordon, 
just flew up in the air and yammed it on Shamit. Now, now the, the Tatum over Giannis dunk was probably a more meaningful one in terms of best player dunking on the other team's best player. Obviously, that's a that's that's a really that's an awesome dunk as well. But this Aaron Gordon dunk was way more exciting to watch because of just how high in the air he got and how powerful the collision was. Right, it was just a crazy dunk. I mean, if you haven't watched it, um, I'll link it to you guys on the show notes uh, for anyone that is too lazy to YouTube and they just want to click the link. I'll drop the link for you guys. So it's down in the show notes. um, And I hope you guys enjoy that clip. It was a crazy, crazy dunk over Landry Shamit. Uh, But yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Obviously, like I said before, I'm going to be trying to make more videos for the YouTube channel. I'm going to be continuing to obviously do the weekly show. I mean, the pod comes first no matter what. Um, You know, for anyone worried about, you know, my my divided attention as far as this podcast and the YouTube channel goes, this podcast comes first. Uh, So I will always be dropping pods uh, as often as I can. So Like I said, that's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.